We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, October the 28th, 2019. On today's show, I break down the Gamecocks 41-21 loss in Knoxville, Tennessee. Also, go, for, go over some news and notes, take your listener questions and voicemails, and we have a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks point guard Trey Kelly that I know you guys are going to enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. Yes, Manscaped, number one in men's blow-the-belt grooming Manscaped's awesome, guys. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, we've all been there, right? We've all been in that situation where we're getting ready for a date or we're just trimming up, we're, we're kind of fixing up ourselves, whatever, doing the normal manscaping routine, and the worst thing that can happen happens. You nick yourself, you cut yourself, and it hurts like absolute hell. Manscaped sent me over some of the products. The stuff is awesome. I've been using it. Manscaped's actually redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0, guys, I swear by this thing. It is the best. It's a proprietary skin-safe technology in the trimmer, so it's not going to nick or snag your nuts. It's amazing. I love it. Again, Manscaped is something we all got to do, so why not have the best technology available? Manscaped's got it. Again, I've been using their products. It's been amazing. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and obviously, guys, you don't want to use the same trimmer you're using to shave your face, to shave whatever else on your balls, right? Like, that's just gross. Just don't do that, all right? Don't do that. Uh, they've also got the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. So, I mean, listen, you already put deodorant on yourself every morning, right? Which, if you don't, I hope you do. You should be doing that. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body, right? So, I mean, like I said, you're either you're with the missus on a date night, whether you got a girlfriend, whether you got a wife, whether you're just trying to get with this girl that you really like, whatever it is, get yourself manscaped. Get yourself right. Like I said, the crop preserver, the lawnmower 2.0. They've even got a fantastic cologne they include with it that I swear by the cologne as well. It is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. It has changed the game for me as far as or manscaping is concerned. You don't want to nick or snag anything, right? It's the worst thing possible. It's the worst thing that can happen. If you go to manscaped.com right now, use the promo code GAMECOCKS, you're going to get 20% off your entire order, plus they're going to give you free shipping. A crazy good deal. I don't know what Manscaped's thinking. Sounds like to me they're trying to grow out a bit, go out of business, but crazy, crazy good deal for everything you're getting. Guys, you know who you are. This is something every dude needs to have, period, point blank. You need this in your rotation to do your manscaping. Ladies, Christmas is coming up. If you've got a husband, if you are tuned into this show, if you've got a husband, a boyfriend, whatever, fantastic gift as well. Heck, this is a great gift for anybody to give to anyone else. It's fantastic. The stuff's already cheap. 
I'm giving you 20% off, plus you're getting free shipping. Plus you're getting free shipping. So again, go to manscaped.com, use the promo code GAMECOCKS, get 20% off, get free shipping. Make sure you're always using the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you later, and we appreciate those guys over at Manscaped. All right, let's get into it. Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Uh, first things first, you guys heard, new uh, new presenting sponsor, by the way. Probably one of the more interesting ad reads I have ever done or will ever do. But seriously, those dudes at Manscaped, their stuff is awesome. So if you're listening to this, 10% endorse it. I use it all the time. It's phenomenal. But new presenting sponsor, obviously always very, very exciting. But let's talk about this damn Tennessee game, man. First things first, housekeeping item. Uh, only thing I've got to say is I appreciate you guys leaving the reviews. I definitely notice. I definitely appreciate it. It helps boost up the Spurs Up show. Helps boost up the podcast. If you have not done so, click the pause button right now. Whatever whatever you're listening to this on, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. First thing you need to do is hit the subscribe button. It's insane to me to think that there are people that listen to the show that are, are not subscribed to the show. You're going to get an alert every time a new podcast comes out and the daily show's coming out now. You're going to want that alert because there's a new show dropping every single day. But also, if you haven't done so, leave a five-star review. Leave a review with your feedback. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. I love to hear the feedback from the listeners, and it helps me to improve the show and bring you guys more of what you enjoy. So again, go subscribe, go review. Really appreciate you guys that have done so and appreciate you guys all tuning in day after day, week after week as well. All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. South Carolina, Tennessee, Gamecocks go up to Knoxville and – in a game, in a, in, a, in a scenario I don't think any of us saw coming, South Carolina loses by basically three touchdowns. 41-21 final. South Carolina was leading the football game 21-17 to at halftime. Is outscored 24-0. 24-0 in the second half. I mean, just hard to fathom. Um, hard to fathom really what happened on Saturday afternoon. My first note here is what the actual – bleep. I mean, because that's how I feel about this. In this game, you know what? I kind of knew. I, I I made my prediction on Friday with my heart, not my head. I was nervous the start of the week. I should have rena- remained nervous, but I thought, you know what? This team looks like maybe it's turned a corner. You beat Georgia. You play a top 10 Florida team close. You know, maybe we're starting to see some progress. This program is moving in the right direction, you know, and I thought, hey, Ryan Glitzy's going to have a bounce back game. I'm a huge believer of this defense. These guys are going to play great, blah, blah, blah go out and lay a freaking egg. I mean, pretty much just lay a freaking egg. Don't even bother to show up the second half. You know, I tweeted it. I tweeted it on Saturday, fire must champ. I did. And, you know, what, here's the one thing I want to say, because I think a lot of people are confused, and I want to clear up any confusion you may have. Some of you seem to think that I flip-flop back and forth or my emotions are crazy in the sense that, like, I love must champ one week, want him fired the next. No, no, no. Let me, let me straighten something out really quickly. My emotions have not changed up. They've been the exact same since the clock hit zeros in Charlotte, North Carolina to start the season. Been the exact same. Now, were we all encouraged after what happened in Athens? Sure. How could you not be? And I'm a South Carolina fan. We all are. We we want to see good things happen. We want to see that progress. We want to see the program get back. But I warned you, 
I warned myself this too, but I warned everyone. After that Georgia game, and everybody's like, oh, do you want to apologize to Muschamp? Oh, fire Muschamp. Oh, oh, yeah, fire Muschamp, all right. Yeah, for sure. Hey, great job. Tip of the cap. I said all week, I tip my cap to him. Tip my cap to the players, the coaching staff, everybody. Will Muschamp directly tip my cap. But it don't mean shit if you go lose to Florida and then you get upset in Knoxville. Let's let it play out before you come from my head wanting me to apologize to Will Muschamp. Because guess what? Because guess what happened? And now we're right back where we started. Nothing's changed. We're right back where we started. That win in Athens don't mean anything anymore, except for us getting bragging rights, which I will gladly take. Not saying I won't. But it doesn't mean anything. All the goodwill you had after Georgia, everything, all the momentum you gathered, all the progress you had shown, it's out the window. Completely out the window. And I, I know some of you are saying, well, you know, he's beaten. He had beaten. He was 7-0 against Tennessee. And, you know, he was due to lose one. And beat, he won three. You know, South Carolina won three in a row against Tennessee. Guys, if South Carolina would have lost the football game, a close game back and forth, you get beat. You get beat, you get beat. Okay? Fair. But to get beat 41 to 21 and get outscored 24 to nothing in the second half? I, I'm not play, placing the blame of the game on this, but it's just really freaking irritating when you're listening to the damn call in show on Thursday night. Thursday night, bro. We're less than 48 hours from the game, and we're still talking about the refs from the Florida game. And this is the head coach. I expect it from the fans. I expect it from the fans. But from the head coach, the leader of the team, it's just a bad look. So, again, that's where I want to start the show, though. Because – and here's the thing. I want to also say this. I know that Muschamp's not going anywhere. I know he's not. I know that he's not. The buyout's too big. The Georgia win bought him time. I don't think – I'll tell you this, guys. I don't think Ray Tanner's got the stones to fire anyone ever. I don't know that he'll ever – I think Ray Tanner will go down before he takes anybody else down. I don't know. At this point, I don't believe he has the stones to do anything. But I know Muschamp's not going anywhere. I get it. So all we can really do is saddle up and pray to God something happens that hasn't happened in his entire coaching career, which is we win. And we win big, and we're productive on offense. Things of that nature. But, I mean, just a, br- I mean, just a brutal loss. And the way you lost the football game. You know, I mean, the way – and I mean, here's the thing. Speaking of coaching, because, listen, Muschamp's not going anywhere. God, how far has the stock of Brian McClendon and Travis Robinson fallen? I mean, how – I mean, what in the world? The stock of Brian McClendon, which I'm not defending him necessarily because the play calling was really bad. I mean, it, it was just – it's confusing. There's no flow to it. It doesn't make sense. <clears throat> you know, it just doesn't make sense. None of it makes – you you cannot watch that. Like, even the most – Will Muschamp stand of all and the most positive, optimistic person has to watch that game and think, 
we don't look like that offensive game plan. There's something seems to be off. Something seems to be off. You know, but the, the, the stock of Brian McClendon and T Rob. I mean, there might there at least one coordinator is going after this season. It might be. I, like, because here's the thing: you want a new OC. Don't blame you. Bring somebody in who's actually called plays before. With all due respect, Brian McClendon, get somebody in there who has called plays. Let them take over the reins of the offense. But T Rob, like, what does he do except recruit? And I mean. Hell, if Will Muschamp has taken over the defensive play calling, what is T-Rob doing? What's his role at this point? So, Muschamp's not going anywhere. I don't think he's – and I told you guys this. You know, if you're listening to this show, you know my energy hadn't switched up. The people on social media that want to say my – no, nah, my energy has not switched up. It has not. I've been the same since the clock hit zero in Charlotte. This guy ain't the guy. And when I make the comment to people of, do you really think he's the guy to get us back to Atlanta? Whoa, I mean, you can't judge on that because South Carolina has only been to Atlanta once. And, you know, I mean, that can't be the expectations. Then why the hell are we even playing the game? Why are we even paying money for tickets? I don't want to pull for a loser. I, I really don't. I do not want to pull for a loser. I'm, aren't you sick of losing? Aren't we sick of losing? And listen, I, I'm going to say something. I'm not telling anybody what to do with their money or to not go to games because I'm going to continue to go. I love it. I'm a Carolina fan. But, I mean, nothing's going to happen. I mean, business is good. USC's a business. Newsflash, it's a business. As long as South Carolina fans keep filling up williams Bryce Stadium and buying season tickets and spending money on concessions and, you know, having passion, being a loyal fan base, okay, there ain't no pressure to make no change. <laughs> There's no pressure to make change. Why? Why? And I'm not saying don't go to the games, but it's like a kind of a sad reality. You know? I mean, selfishly? And listen, there's still more season left. I don't expect this to happen, but hell, South Carolina could win out. They could also lose every game they have left. I don't think I've ever gone this far into a season and not known less about a USC team. It's been the craziest, wildest, wackiest season I've ever seen. This is a different team every week, every single week. But, you know, there's a lot of season left. Could win every game. I don't think you will, but you could. You could also lose every game. But Will Muschamp, I mean, again, I say this every time, guys. I hope he shoves it up my ass. God, I would love that. I hope my dream is that one day soon I am sitting in the Georgia Dome I am sitting first row of the Georgia Dome. The team comes out of the tunnel. Will Muschamp walks straight over to me, looks me in the face and says, screw you. I did it. I am the guy for the job. And I will say, never been happier to be wrong in my life. In my life. But what at this point, outside of the Georgia win, think if we didn't beat Georgia. Good God, man. I mean... Even the most devote Will Muschamp sunshine pumper, how can you even be in his corner? Again, my energy's never switched. My energy's never switched up. We saw ever since UNC, 
My energy's been the same. Now, has it been quite as loud? No, because I don't feel like beating my chest every week. I don't want to be right about it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be right. I'm not going to sit here and tweet it every day or every show spend talking about, oh, we need to fire Will Muschamp. God, I want to see him turn it around and prove me wrong. But, I mean, just the performance on Saturday. Let's get into the actual game because I just spent a lot of time ranting there. I mean, where do you even start? Let's start in the secondary. My God. My God. My God, guys. 18-30 passing between Garantano and Shrout for Tennessee. 351 yards. Three touchdowns. Jared Garantano, who was dead a week ago. He was dead. Career over. Career over at Tennessee. All Tennessee fans are ready to crucify this man. Jake Bentley level or maybe even worse. He throws for – he was 11 for 19, 229, two touchdowns. J.T. Shrout's a third-string quarterback. He went 7 for 11, 122, a touchdown. No picks, by the way, for the defense, obviously. <clears throat> I don't know what the secondary was doing. I don't know why you're – a lot of you asked me this. Why are we playing 10 yards off the ball, 15? I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. Tennessee had two guys that beat you, really one, but two guys that beat you all day. Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway. Jennings, 7 for 174. Two touchdowns, had that long bomb. Marquez Callaway, three for 102, a touchdown, had a bomb. Where, where's JC and Izzy at locking those dudes up man-to-man? What, what, what is up with this zone nonsense? You, you play that zone when you don't feel like you've got the guys that can go man-to-man on a guy. Did we not feel like we can man up? Is that what it is? For the love of God, man. We don't think we can man up? It's why you recruit them. God, I mean, Israel McQuamu, three picks a couple weeks ago. This past Saturday, he's getting taunted going into the end zone. Literally taunted. And then gets a flag for pushing the dude because he's mad. Which, I don't know why some of you got that upset about that on social media. That's what happened. That's what happened. He got taunted. It has been a fall from grace from, for McQuamu. It has. So What? He would say the same thing. You go from getting three picks at Georgia to getting teased as the guy goes in the end zone. That's the facts. That's what happened. That's what happened. That's reality. This doesn't mean he's a terrible player, but that's what happened. Jay Horn, God, where is Jay? I mean, listen, I'm not trying to dog these guys like this. The whole, I mean, because the team will tell you they got to play better. But where is J.C. Horn and all this madness? He's supposed to be the dude. He's a solid ball player. I'm not taking that away from him. But, like, he's supposed to be the dude out there. Not Israel McQuamu, no offense. Like, J.C. Horn is that savage. Bro, he ain't nothing right now. He could go get, he could go get three picks against Vandy. He's got the potential. But, like, it's just – like, people wanted to destroy – people literally wanted me to delete my Twitter for saying that I was shocked at how bad the secondary had been. I don't – I mean, that don't look so crazy anymore, does it? Like, and I'm still – like, I can't believe how bad the secondary played and has played at times this year. Because I feel like there's talent in that group. Like, I, there's some real – some real ball players in that group. And just – God, to give up 351 through the air to two guys that are – I mean, that are bums. Like, I mean, Jawan Jennings is a bum. 
or not Juwan, excuse me. Uh, Jared Carantano's a bum. JT Shroud is a third stringer, bro. This, this isn't Peyton Manning. Jesus, the play calling. I already talked about it. What was going on with the play calling? Unbelievable. I, no flow whatsoever. Didn't make any sense. We, we deserted the run game early, tried to get back to it. You go to the goal line, you call the same play. Through. What are we thinking with this play calling, Brian McClendon? And like I told you guys, I, I don't give McClendon probably as much hell as some of you do, or maybe that he even deserves, because I just struggle to believe. Like, I, I, put, it on, I, I put it on Muschamp. Because I struggle to believe, how can this do like a genius one day and a complete moron the next day? How can you tell me Muschamp ain't got his hands in that, in that offensive game plan? Like, because this is supposedly the same guy. You know, like, and this is speaking on kind of a different note. You know what scares me the most? One of the things that scares me the most, everybody's like, fire BMAC, fire BMAC, fire BMAC, and straight, whatever. Probably it's going to be deserved. It's going to happen. What, what OC worth his snuff wants to come work for Will Muschamp? Will Muschamp is a destroyer of offensive coordinators. Also a destroyer of quarterbacks. Some of you didn't like me saying that. That's also something that worries me, though. Ryan Holinsky has the potential to be one of the best players in college football, in my opinion. But, God, I am so terrified that Will Muschamp will ruin him just like Jake Bentley was ruined. And some of you say, what do you mean? Give some examples. All right. Jake Bentley got worse every year. Jake Bentley as a senior looked worse as a freshman. When has Will Muschamp's teams ever developed a quarterback going back to the Florida days? I mean, this whole Ryan Holinsky thing, which I don't put the loss on Ryan Holinsky, you know, I'll talk about that in just a second. But this whole Ryan Holinsky era, it is, and I also said this on social media, this whole thing is feeling eerily similar to 2016, where it's like, we put in a freshman quarterback, like we saw some encouraging things, but he's a true freshman, yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> you know, I mean, this is starting to really be eerily similar to what we saw happen in 2016, and it feels like a vicious cycle. And I don't want to see the same thing happen with Ryan Linsky. I don't want to see him not progress, not get better, not evolve as a player because he's limited by the coaching staff or what the hell they're doing. So, Ryan Holinsky, just talking about his play real quick. I, Again, the play calling certainly goes into this. I, the, I felt like he had like a 1,000 passes batted down. Is he 100% healthy? Probably not. Some of those some, of, some plays where he kind of ran out of bounds, he looked like he was hobbling a little bit on that leg. I mean, and I, I, you know what's really happening, guys? I think one thing that's happening that you're seeing, I'm not saying he's scared or nothing. He's obviously not. But he is, I mean, from that hit that he – because he has not you, – you could argue he hadn't been the same player since that hit at Georgia on the knee. He hadn't been the same player. I wonder how much that is playing into his psyche right now as far as, like, he's kind of skittish back there in the pocket. He's more skittish than I had seen before that Georgia game. You know, and maybe that explains some of the overthrows and the misthrows, or maybe that explains some of these, like, really quick hitter. I was just shocked at the amount of, like, plays where these quick hitter passes where there's no read of the defense. Just one guy go. One guy go. And I mean, I, I get those every now and then, no big deal. Like I, I get doing that every now and then. But like 
you have Ryan Linsky, who's a talent, man. Let him scan the field. I mean, let him throw some intermediate throws across the field, whatever. I mean, I just it, – it, I don't I, – like, like I said, I'll tell you this. I don't put the blame on Ryan Linsky. I don't put this loss on Ryan Linsky. I don't think you should either. There are much, much, much bigger issues than Ryan Holinsky. I mean, it's, it's hard to be productive when your play calling is so predictable and so bland and your defense can't stop anybody, your secondary can't stop nobody. You know, um, you know I, I just I, – I, Ryan's got to get better, obviously. I, again, I think the hit to his leg is playing a lot into his mental psyche right now. Because, again, he looks more skittish than I've seen. I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, running game it was okay, I guess. I mean, T- Feaster 19 for 80 yards, a touchdown. Mon Denson also with a TD. Shai Smith, hell, I didn't even mention this. I mean, first play of the game. Touchdown. Boom. All momentum. We're on the board. Tennessee's dead. We have them dead. We have them dead. And then we go into shutdown mode on offense. We, I felt like we went into complete shutdown mode. Play calling was unimaginative. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain the play calling after that. You know, Shy finishes great day for him. 11 catches, 156, a touchdown. Brian Edwards, 8 for 83. Catch of the freaking century, by the way, by Brian Edwards. All-time receptions leader at South Carolina now. Tip of the cap. Round of applause for Brian Edwards. Great achievement. Um... But, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, you're up 21 to 17, too, at half. I mean, you know, you felt okay. You know what I mean? And that's why I say I don't put the loss on Ryan Linsky. Or, I mean, your defense didn't show up. I mean, you're not going to win giving up 41 points, bro, and getting no takeaways. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, it's just it's not going to happen. I mean, you know, they had more. They, they had 485 total yards, 351 passing, 134 rushing. <clears throat> Dominated us in every phase. Had a punt return for – I mean, had a punt return for a touchdown, had a punt blocked. I mean, everything. South Carolina got whipped in every facet of the game. Made me look really stupid, by the way, on social media. Thanks for that. After I said that South Carolina was better than Tennessee at every position. And did the tweet blow up? You're damn right it did. I tipped my cap to Bulls fans. That was a stupid tweet. I shouldn't have said that. I was dumb. But where do we go from here? I mean, where do we go from here? This team is bipolar as hell. Don't know who's showing up week in and week out. I told you guys how important that three-game stretch of Georgia, Florida, Tennessee was. I told you guys how important it was to carry the momentum after Georgia. And we squandered it all. We did exactly what... We couldn't do. Am I shocked? No. That's the sad part. I'm not shocked at all. I'm not shocked. But now, you know, you get ready for Vanderbilt, which will be break. Obviously, I'll break down later in the week. You've got App State after that, who's a ranked football team. Oh, by the way, Vandy coming off a bye week after beating Missouri, who I know got slapped around on Saturday night, but whatever. Either way, Vandy seems to always give USC fits. App State's ranked. A&M's not great, but, hell, you play them in College Station. And then you got Clemson, who, who's one of the best teams in the country. So, I mean, the, the, I mean, you're, in my opinion, you are realistically looking at a two-and-two two finish and falling a game short of 
a bowl game. I think I think you had to have Tennessee to get to a bowl. No other way to put it. I think you had to have this Tennessee game. And you didn't. And it's just, you know, like I said in my post game, nothing's changed. That's the sad part. Just nothing's changed. Nothing's changed with Muschamp. Nothing's changed with this team. Really with this coach. That's where I put the blame. I put the blame on the coaching staff. You, you can look. You can listen to all my comments from past shows. You can look at the entire social media feed. I don't dog them. I, I'm not dogging these players. These players are busting it. I mean, we have talent. <laughs> I mean, dude, we have talent. We have some ball players. They're not being put in the best possible position to win. That's my opinion. And, you know, I, nothing's going to change. Muschamp's not going to get fired. You know, Tanner and company are going to use that Georgia game as a crutch forever. Who knows, however long. But on a selfish note, I was going to say this earlier, and you can take this however you like. This is just me thinking and me talking out loud. On a selfish note, you know what the most sad thing is, is to think that let, we're probably going to miss a bowl game. I'm going to have to somehow find a way to hype up and give USC fans hope going into the 2021 season. Or the 2020 season, excuse me. I'm going to have to somehow find a way to hype up and give South Carolina fans hope for what 2020 could bring, even though I know we're led by Will Muschamp, a head coach. That's what sucks. That, that's honestly, that's the most disgusting part of it all. It really is. It really is. So, you know, at this point, the biggest thing that we can do, the biggest thing we can achieve from this season is break some more streaks. Obviously, you broke the Kentucky streak. Kudos. Great job. You broke the Georgia streak. Bigger kudos. Good job. You lost a streak to Tennessee, granted, but you know what? Keep the streak going against Vandy. Break the streak against A&M, and God, I mean, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to beat Clemson, but maybe, just maybe, the good Lord shines down on us and gives us a dub over Clemson. We break that streak, too. I don't know. Actually, I do know it ain't going to happen. But, you know, just, just a tough one. I mean, you, you know, you guys are frustrated. I'm frustrated. I mean, the voicemails this week were crazy, which I'm going to get to in just a second. But bad loss. It cannot be understated how bad of a loss it is. I, I said that last week. I wasn't joking. It would be a terrible loss. Awful. Terrible, terrible loss. This equates to me with losing. If, you, if you'd have lost to Kentucky this season, it, it's – Maybe not – it's definitely not as high up, but it's very close. Tennessee's bad. They're, they're bad. They're a bad football team. They're two, they were 2-5. and five. Dumpster fire. Lost to Georgia State. And they, they didn't just beat us. They smacked us. They smacked us all over the field. So, you know, I try to regroup. Hopefully, Ryan Holinsky can regroup and – Put this team on his right shoulder. That's really all you can hope for at this point. Hopefully, I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully you can you know use the Williams Bryce crowd against Vandy because you know I think it'll be I think it'll be a packed house. I do. I think homecoming night game. I think I think Gamecock fans will show up. Will the team show up? Will the will the will the good version of this team show up? That's the question. So we'll see. Um, some news and notes really quickly before I get into listener questions and the voicemails. Uh, South Carolina the the spread came out today and boy I've got a funny joke for you. <clears throat> the Gamecocks open as a 16-point favorite against Vanderbilt. 16. Over-under set at 52, by the way. But a 
15 point favorite. What are you watching? Like on one hand, I see it like, okay, we get to come back home. It's at night. Like, you know, we should rebound. You would think if we have any nuts, we're going to rebound. We're going to come back, play our best in front of our home crowd, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like what in the world is going to tell you that we're not going to have a damn dog fight on our hands with these guys? I don't know. Anyways, USC minus 16 against Vandy. Rico Dowdle listed as doubtful for Vanderbilt by head coach Will Muschamp. He said two to three weeks last week, I don't think you're going to see Rico against Vandy, which sucks because, I, you know, Tavian's a great option. Obviously, he had a good day on – you know, had a pretty solid day on Saturday. But, man, you'd love to have Rico back and have that one-two punch again. Um, really quickly, two other things. Basketball exhibition on Wednesday. Uh, it's crazy. Basketball season's already back. I will have a full basketball season preview coming to you, this, coming to you guys later this week on the podcast and in written form. Very, very excited for that. Obviously, get basketball back going. And Marshawn Lloyd, this was something that happened late Friday night. Marshawn Lloyd, Gamecocks running back commit, had the number one play on SportsCenter. I'm sure you guys probably already saw the run on social media, but crazy. This dude looks like a freak. So pray to God we can hang on to him. Really, really good. Um, we certainly need him. So really, really good stuff. Um, all right, cool. Let's get into these listener questions, these voicemails. One quick thing for you guys, some, a little bit of a change, not really a change of the voicemails, but – Number one, keep calling in. They're awesome. But I'm actually probably going to narrow down the list of the voicemails and stuff to picking three or four because what I've realized doing these shows and playing all the voicemails is that it really drags on into the show. It really drags on. So if your voicemail does not get played, please do not be mad at me. Do not feel bad. I'm going to make sure to mix it up week after week so we have different people on the show. But I just realistically cannot play 15 voicemails. It's just It takes up way too much time time that it's just it's just too much time <laughs> like it's just just it's just a lot you know what I mean so I think you guys will understand respect that again I appreciate everyone that calls in you know hey I feel the same way as most of you if not all of you it's uh it's funny I use this I was joking with my buddy this is like a therapy session for me and talking with you guys is like therapy so thank you for that all right let's get into these voicemails got some really good ones we're going to start with uh Dale from Edgefield Edgefield. Um, I just woke up today uh, hoping that yesterday was a nightmare. And damn, if I looked at the score and it's still there. Um, I don't know what. Uh, it's kind of like you said on, uh, on Twitter. Just tune in next week to see which, which South Carolina team shows up. And uh, I'm starting to lose faith that the, that the good South Carolina team is going to show up because, you know, I say. They ain't got nothing to play for for the rest of the year, but I mean, we got to win three out of four to to go bowling. I mean, that should be a a standpoint to the point where we go bowling every year, no matter what. We shouldn't have to worry about it. I'm just so tired and you saw him saying we got to go look at the tape. Well, damn, I watched the same game. We just got our ass kicked up and down the field. Old Rocky Top, that dog went and laid his nuts on Muschamp's forehead and just gave it to him for four quarters. And um, I don't know, man. I'm uh, if if we don't make a bowl, I think that that the coaching staff has to be reconfigured. That starts at the top, and uh, you know it's it's going to be tough. But we're on the Vanderbilt and um, Spurs up, go Cox, buddy. Uh, tough week, tough week. 
All right, Dale, appreciate the voicemail as always, man. Appreciate you calling in like you always do. I'm saying a lot of the things that I've said already and feel and, you know, I mean, what if I told you, what if I told you the day Muschamp was hired, what if I told you, hey guys, it's going to be year four, we're going to miss a bowl game. <laughs> I mean, what would your thought process have been if I said that? Hey guys, year four, not year two, year four, we're going to miss a bowl. I mean, because I agree with you, dude. I, I, I agree with you. Because I think one of the funniest arguments is when people come and say, well, if you fire Muschamp, I mean, who are you going to get? Bro, there's a lot of coaches that can come to South Carolina and go six and six. Like, I, I mean, if, we, if that's all we really give a damn about, we'd get somebody else to come here and go six, six and six. Hell, promote Brian McClendon. He'll go six and six. T-Rob, he'll go six and six. Hell, go, go, go hire Sean Elliott back from Georgia State. He'll go at least six and six, you know? But, uh, you know, it's just – I agree with everything you said. I mean, listen, Muschamp's not going anywhere, but I, I do think there will be wholesale changes as far as the coordinator positions. I, I'd, you know, I, I would be surprised if there isn't because something's got to happen. Something has got to happen. So, we'll see. Appreciate the voicemail, though, man. Wow. I got one word for you. I got one word for you, brother. Wow. I know we've been texting. I know we're both mad. I'm going to let my buddy say it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Two weeks ago, that team beat Georgia, number three in the nation. And they didn't They didn't get it handed to them. They beat Georgia. Today, we didn't lose. We got beat. We got beat in every aspect of the game. I don't even know what a place to blame. Where do, is it Ryan's fault? Is it the coach's fault? Is it the defense's fault? Is it all of the above? We did not win one aspect of that game. All right, brother. It's John. Talk to you later. John, appreciate you, my man. No, you make a good point. Like I said, we got whipped. Every, every facet. Every facet we got whipped. Every facet. You know, I mean, every single facet of the game, we got whipped. I, you know, I think, like you said, where'd the blame go? Everywhere. Everybody. All, everyone. Goes on everybody. So, you know, I, hey, good points, man. Appreciate you, John. All right, let's get in this other voicemail here. This, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm I have absolutely no words for this football team right now. This football team, it looks, it looks like we picked up the team after Missouri lost and just carried it into this game. Was the last three weeks was that coached by a whole other coach? Because it definitely looks like it. <laughs> it definitely looks like it. I called in last week about the. Uh, earlier this week about the program being on uprise, it's not. It, it's time for him to go. It's time for everybody on that staff. They they need to ride. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're gonna have games where Muschamp looks like a good coach, but no, he needs to go. It's gonna be the same thing every year. Me, mediocrity every game. I'm tired of it. I'm pretty sure all of us are tired of it. If you're still a Muschamp stand, I don't know how you're getting beat by a two win team by 20 points. It's still in the fourth quarter, but I don't – there's no way. By 20 points, by a two-win team, 
and they're just exchanging quarterbacks left and right and throwing 150-200 and getting beat by the same guy the whole game. And yet you make no adjustments, none, double team him. No, what, what is this? I don't understand. I don't understand this coaching staff. I don't understand how a team that just looked like a top 25 team looks like a two-win team. I just don't understand it. It's time for them to go. Must have to leave Monday for all of our care. I'm just fed up. It's the same thing every year. We think we're getting somewhere, and we take 50 steps back. It's time for him to go. I'm sorry. All right. Appreciate the voicemail, man. I, the must champ stand thing just made me laugh. It's uh, <laughs> I like that. It's awesome. Um, no, I agree, agree with everything you said. I mean, it's embarrassing. It really is. It's embarrassing. Uh, all right, let's go two more here, and then we'll get into the uh, the listener questions from Instagram. Man, it is embarrassing to be a Gamecock today. How do you go from being up in the first half to not scoring any points in the second half against one of the worst teams in the SEC? And we were getting all the calls on our side, and it was a home game for Tennessee. Man, it makes no sense. I think Muschamp needs to go, I think. Uh, our offensive coordinator needs to go. Everything needs to change. But one thing's for sure, this game is not on Ryan. Everyone needs to remember he's a freshman, and hopefully he could improve in the future. Spurs up. Thanks for putting on a good podcast, Chris. Have a good one. Hey, man, thanks for the voicemail. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not on Ryan. Um, and, yeah, I, I <laughs> listen, you ask a lot of valid questions. Um, you ask a lot of valid questions, and – I wish that we had someone to give us some answers. All right, one more voicemail here, and we're getting these listener questions. I'm sitting here watching this game. Well, we got Tennessee's taking a knee now, so it's over. I was looking before I called in to get my facts straight. But I thought I was right, and I was. The only thing Will Muschamp's done in four years, what, 20? 2016, he beat a 18th ranked Tennessee team, and we beat Georgia this year. So, I mean, that's just not good enough for me. I'm sorry, that just ain't good enough for me. What the? I mean, what the hell are we doing? Really, we're a freaking trash team. Son. Trash. I mean, we're getting decent recruits. I don't get it. I mean, we're getting. Well, Steve's further. We didn't have the best recruiting classes. He's kind of been in the same area as ranked recruiting classes as Steve Spurrier. He just, he don't develop them worth of shit. I mean, good God, man. It's a joke. This is honestly a joke. Hot damn. I don't even know what's back, man. We got to get this son of a bitch out of here, man. We got to. I mean, what the hell are we doing? Take him damn specs and shove him up Ray Tanner's ass and send him off. <laughs> Appreciate the voice, y'all, man. Take the specs and shove them up Ray Tanner's head. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, well said. Very, very, very well said. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's get to these listener questions on uh, on Instagram here. I'll get them pulled up really quickly. That, 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 was, a, that was an all-time voicemail right there. That was an all-time voicemail right there. I need to save that, record that, put that out on Twitter. So that, that was beautiful. Um, okay, let's get these listener questions. There's obviously a ton of them. Uh, let's see. We'll start with C underscore Anderson 99. 
Time for Muschamp to go and join her to get a real shot. I mean, here's the thing. I'm, again, I'm not putting the blame on Ryan. Like, Ryan's our guy. But, like, I am shocked we haven't seen Joyner. Like, I just I, – it's hard to fathom to me. Like, it's very, very hard to fathom in my mind why Joyner has not played more. Uh, let's see. Timmy Time 116. New offensive coordinator. Terrible job on the secondary. I agree. Um, let's see. Peyton Muller, 16. Defense and play calling. No bueno. I agree 100%. That Bolton boy. So my wife is a UT fan, and I need a bleeping drink <laughs> for sure. Uh, let's see. Mm, Russell underscore Wingard giving up forty-one to Tennessee and not even scoring in the second half. Ridiculous on both sides. I agree. We got whipped everywhere. Got whipped everywhere. Edward S Junior ninety-two. We got outcoached and out, we got outplayed and outcoached by a bad team. Dot 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 again. Yeah, I mean. Great, you you that is honestly spot on, spot on analysis. Um, D4 underscore 2024, a win over Georgia shouldn't keep a job for another year. Unfortunately, it will. Uh, let's see. D, he says again, I'm willing to take out a loan for the buyout. Yeah, maybe if we all pitch in, we can get it going. Let's see. TD Sim, Helensky is overrated, not going to bandwagon and say fire the coaches when it's the players. I couldn't disagree with you more. I don't think Helensky's overrated. I think Helensky. One is a true freshman, but two is the victim of a very poor offensively coached team. And, I mean, listen, does everybody got to play better? Yeah, but, I, I mean, you can't convince me otherwise that it's not the offensive coaching. Look, look at Will Muschamp's track record with quarterbacks and offenses. It's where quarterbacks go to die. So, um, Cubby D12, someone needs to go. Didn't want him to begin with. Don't want him now. I think that's how a lot of fans feel. Uh, let's see. The, the underscore amazing underscore blizzard. I think Bentley's experience would have been great tonight. Oh, well, shit happens. Go Cox forever to the, a lot of people talking about Jake Bentley on Twitter yesterday or Saturday. Um, and saying that, you know, they kind of wish, you know, I miss Jake Bentley. I, I'm not willing to go there yet, but, um, you know, you might have a point there. Let's see. Hill 1811 hashtag hire Kiffin. <laughs> I mean, Hey, I, I'm not opposed, honestly. Let's see. Drew Ebbett, 24. It seems like to me the university and its staff have accepted this type of team. Mm, yeah, you might have a point. Capped underscore way. Is this the year of breaking streaks for us, both good and bad, Kentucky, Georgia, and now Tennessee? I mean, you might be on to something. Like I said, I think that's really your biggest thing left to achieve is, you know, beat A&M, beat Clemson, whatever. But I, I don't know, man. I, I guess you have a point, but, you know, I don't know. Josh Harley, 95, is there less talent on this team than we thought, or is this just a coaching problem? I think there is talent on this team. There's enough talent to be consistent, if nothing else, and that is a coaching problem. Let's see. Leighton underscore Sullivan, why do we always seem to get dominated in the second half? I have no idea. No idea. What are we saying at halftime? What are we saying at halftime? Last question. E. Karch 08, are you back on the firewall Muschamp train after this loss? Like I said during the show, man, my energy has never switched. My energy has never switched. I didn't think he was a guy for the job after the clock at zero in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I haven't thought he's been the guy for the job since. I was hopeful that maybe we were making some progress and we turned a corner in Athens, but that I, in my heart of hearts, 
think he was the guy to get – you know, is he the guy to get us to Atlanta? That's the question. That is the question. Say what you want. Make your snarky comments. But it, that's the goal. This should, that should be the goal for this program. Is he the guy to get us to Atlanta? Period. Yes or no. Once you know he's not, you're killing time otherwise, just sitting around not doing anything. So, that's it. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Got a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks point guard Trey Kelly. Guys, one of the all-time interviews on this show. Trey was awesome. We had a phenomenal conversation just talking about his life, uh, basketball. He's actually still playing overseas right now, which is awesome. Going on, I think he said his 13th year. I mean, just insane career. Uh, was great at South Carolina. Uh, was on the team that went to the NCAA tournament in 2004. Was on the team that won back-to-back NIT titles in 05 and 06, for those of you that are big South Carolina basketball fans and remember that. A lot of great memories. A lot of great memories why Trey was there. Trey, fantastic player, like I said. Um, so, a great interview. Again, stay tuned for it. It's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, you hear me talk about SeatGeek a lot. If you need tickets this game's or this weekend's game against Vanderbilt, homecoming is coming up. If you need your tickets, also – basketball season. I mean, it is right around the corner. Granted, the exhibition is free on Wednesday, but if you're looking ahead, you're going to want, you want to go ahead and scoop up your tickets, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, I get all my tickets through SeatGeek. Literally to everything I go to, whether it's concerts, comedy club events, you know, NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, any sporting event whatsoever. Whatever tickets I'm getting, though, I go to SeatGeek. The reason I use them they got a great ticket rating system. They rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So I don't have to do the work. I don't have to do the work and look and say, like, which ticket should I buy? Compare this to this. It does all that work for you. It's showing you, hey, look at this ticket. Look at the deal it's going for. It's a really, really good deal. Maybe it's an okay deal or it's a bad deal. Stay away from it. You know all that information before you click the buy button. They give you that peace of mind. I mean, it's just by far the best ticket buying app by far, the best ticket buying service. They make ticket buying super simple, super easy. Again, it's the only one I use. Download SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use that promo code SPURSUP, S-P-U-R-S-U-P. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Again, go download that. Go, go download it. Use the promo code. Save yourself some money in the meantime while you're going to South Carolina Gamecock Sporting Events or whatever else it is you're going to. So, appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks point guard, Trey Kelly. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks basketball from 2003 to 2007. For the Gamecocks, he's number two all-time in games played with 134, number three in assists with 510, number three in three-point field goals attempted with 503, number three in minutes played with 3,956, number three overall in three-point field goals made in 167, and he's also ninth all-time in career points with 1,488. He helped lead the Gamecocks at the NCAA tournament in 2004, He's also had a very long professional career overseas and is currently playing basketball for the Atlas for Zoll. I'm very pleased to welcome former Gamecocks point guard Trey Kelly. Trey, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. How you doing, buddy? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I was going to say, that was a that was a mouthful. There's a lot of – you did a lot of things while you were at South Carolina, man. I did. I didn't know I was still being <laughs> the top ten in scoring. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that come after me, and um, a lot of great players, so um, – I was a little surprised to hear that I was still in the top 10. 
fantastic. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's impressive number, no doubt. So I, I want to go back to the beginning for you, though. Uh, you're, you know, you're a young guy um, coming out of Washington, D.C., obviously a highly regarded recruit. Just talk about your recruiting process, because, again, I know you were actually the, uh, the Washington, D.C. Gatorade Player of the Year, averaged almost 30 points per game in high school. I mean, a really top player. You recruited by UConn, Miami, Georgia Tech. West Virginia, some really big-time programs, and obviously you chose South Carolina. Just talk about that recruiting process for you and why you decided it was best for you to become a Gamecock. Uh, the recruiting process um, was actually a fun process for me. Um, you know, having interest from these different schools uh, was amazing for me, uh, being a Washington, D.C. guy. And, you know, you're seeing these top college coaches, you know, they come into your house, giving you calls on the phone, and it was just a fun process. You know, I was working working hard and, and trying to be the best I could be. And I just wanted a comfortable place. I wanted to play for a coach who would make me comfortable. And I think my conversations with Coach Dave Odom gave me the comfort that I needed. Um, I would say that everything he said to me in my grandmother's living room when he came to visit us, it was the exact same that reflected my four years at South Carolina. And you couldn't ask for anything better. Yeah, you talk about Dave Odom. Let's jump into him, obviously, a guy that accomplished a lot at South Carolina and a guy that I think we look back and really one of the great basketball coaches for South Carolina. Talk about your first interactions with him and then obviously that relationship and what do you think made him so good while he was in Columbia? I think his confidence in himself made him so good. He knew that what he was teaching, he knew that what he was speaking uh, would have a great impact on the players and on our team as a whole. Um, him as a person, I mean, he's a remarkable guy. We're still great friends, and you know, till today. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago when he visited um, his son Ryan, who's at UMBC. Um, I mean, he's he was incredible for me as a as a person and as a basketball player. You know, my four years, I mean, we were we were great friends. We got a little closer going into my sophomore year, um, and that that relationship has strengthened by the day. And it allowed me to be comfortable out there on the court and allowed me to be the coach on the court with comfortability. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was an amazing time for me. He helped me be successful down there at the University of South Carolina. And, I mean, it, it, was, it was something that I couldn't ask for anything better. For sure. So, Trey, you, you come in as a freshman. We'll talk about your freshman year really quickly. You average yeah. just over five points a game, a rebound a game. Two assists per game, 16 minutes per game. So, you know, played sparingly, but played, played a pretty good bit for a uh, for true freshman. Just talk about your – what was your transition like from high school to college? Because I know in college basketball, you know, it's different than some other sports. I mean, you know, you're looking at, like, the Kentuckys and the Dukes of the world. You got five freshmen starting. Like, the, for a freshman right. play is nothing crazy. But what was the transition like for you going from the high school game to the college game? Um, again, you know, Coach Dave Odom made that transition pretty easy. Um, he told me what to expect. You know, from the playing time standpoint, from you know, how many times I may start uh, and what he wanted me to do out there. And it was a learning process. Um, as you can remember, Michael Boynton was the, you know, the senior on that team and he was the leader. And I learned so much from him, um, you know, that grooming process that, you know, I had under his tutelage as a, you know, as a leader was amazing. And he allowed me to, to just learn the ropes of college basketball and he allowed me to take that along the way once he had left. So my time there during the, you know, during my time as a freshman was amazing because I had Coach Odom, who I always thought was an icon in college basketball. He's an iconic person 
And then you have Michael Boynton, who's an iconic leader, who's now at um, Oklahoma State University as the head mm-hmm. coach. And you're talking about two guys who, you know, are leaders in their own rights. And um, that was amazing for me to learn from. No doubt. Your freshman year also, like I mentioned, you guys made the uh, the NCAA tournament. Obviously, didn't want, didn't go the way you guys necessarily wanted once you got there. But, you know, for South Carolina to make the NCAA tournament, when you think about the history and the landscape of Gamecock basketball, it's obviously always a big deal. Uh, you know, talk about for you, you know, just being a freshman coming in. Talk about that run to the NCAA tournament. How special was that for you? That was a very special run. Um, we had a great team, and we were, we were coached very well. And to make a run to the NCAA tournament at that time where I don't, I can't remember the, the exact years and the last time they had made it before we did, but, um, you know, it was, it was fun to get that support from the, from the fan base, um, or from the students and, you know, the alumni, everyone showed us so much love and so much support over that time. And to have a run like that, you know, I thought was great for us. It gave us a lot of confidence, um, I think our inexperience as a tournament team didn't allow us to play as well as we should against Memphis in that particular game in the first Mm -hmm. round. And, you know, they had some guys that had been playing in the tournament, I think, a couple of years up until that point. And they just knew how to win win basketball games at that level. And at the time, we didn't. For sure. So, talking about you as a player, you know, Trey, I I take a look at the stats, and every single year you got better, you know, average – just over five points a game your freshman year, went up to basically nine points per game your sophomore year, 12.5 points per game your junior year, and then 19 points per game your senior year. I mean, for you, obviously I know getting increased opportunities is going to help those numbers, but what was it for you in your game that you would say you were able to refine your craft? Like what was that one thing, I guess that light bulb that clicked for you? Well, from a a scoring standpoint, for me, I didn't have to score much my first three years. I had great players around me, and it was easy to facilitate and, and help win games and and uh, you know lead from that from that aspect. Um, you know, coach always told me what he needed me to do. And I didn't go. I didn't have to go out there and take a bunch of shots my first three years. Um, I got better because my experience had increased. Um, I was playing against the top guards in the country, playing against some of the top teams in the country, and that helped me. Um, that gave me confidence. I was an extreme hard worker. I've always been. And I always observed everything around me, uh, on the court and off the court, and that helped me also. So by the time I got to be a senior, um, you know, you had Torrance Kinsey leave. You had Rocky Trice leave. You had Bernardo Balkman leave. And the scoring level for me had increased. And, you know, Coach, we talked that summer going into my senior year, and he needed me to, you know, score the basketball and also facilitate. I led the league in assists my junior year, and I think I was second in assists my senior year. And um, he just allowed me to go out there and play. I mean, he, he gave me the confidence. He gave me the what people call the green light. And it wasn't like the green light where I can shoot 50 times because I never wanted to do that. But he gave me the green light to just go out there and play my game. And that helped me be successful. For sure. So, like I mentioned, Trey, you know, your third all-time in assists, your sophomore year, I was actually taking a look here. Uh, you led the team in assists, and you actually earned the most assists award in 2005. I, I just think that's really interesting because what it tells me is that you're a really unselfish player. I mean, to dish the ball that much, um, you know, it takes a little bit, I guess, of sacrifice and knowing that you're a good facilitator and get the basketball to other people to have them score. I mean, talk about what 
I guess, in the grand scheme of the game of basketball. But for you personally, what, what made you so good at that? And why is it so important, obviously, to be to be a guy who can – to have a guy on your team like yourself that can facilitate the basketball like you're talking about? Well, when I started off when I was, you know, a young eighth, ninth grader, I could not shoot the ball at all. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I was just getting to the rim. And I played with some really great players during my AAU days, um, ninth and tenth grade. And I would just learn how to get in the lane and get big guys off of their feet for wraparound passes. You know, um, just just learning the rhythm of the game, I think, was important for me. You know, knowing when to throw an alley hoop, knowing when to throw a bounce pass, you know, knowing how to get in there and kick out for threes, um, learning how to run fast breaks. And that was, you know, it became easy for me to facilitate. And that's why, you know, I, I, be, I became so well that, you know, just, just getting assists. I mean, you, you get to a point where you fall in love with it. And, you know, guys love to play when you play with you when they know they can get the ball from you. So playing with guys like Brandon Wallace, who's, you know, 6'10", 6'11". He can play inside, outside. You throw an alley-hoop to him. He can run the floor well. He could also spot up and pick and pop for three-point shots. So I got a lot of my assists from him, to be honest, um, because he could do so many things on the court. He was so versatile. Then you had Ronaldo Balkman, who was, you know, he was our horse. Um, He can get the rebound. And everyone can't get up the floor as fast as him. So he would he was he knew how to get the ball and go right up as soon as the ball hits his hands. And I got a lot of assists from him also. Guys like Torrance Kinsey, Carlos Powell in my you know, my first couple of years getting mm-hmm. assists from them. They they made it easy for me. And um I'm learning as I'm doing that. You know, you learn so much from yourself when you're a basketball player, especially a point guard when you're just making plays and you learn more and more as the, as the game goes along. For sure. So I don't know how I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show, but obviously you guys won the NIT back-to-back years in 05 and 06, obviously very memorable. And again, it's something where you obviously want to make the NCAA tournament. That's the main goal. But, hell, if you're going to make the NIT, you might as well win the whole thing, right? So, I mean, you, guys, right. <laughs> you might as well just win the whole thing. So you guys go to the NIT. Um, obviously, again, the sophomore year was a great year for you. Uh, but the, two, the 2005 one was obviously – the flair for dramatics against St. Joe's. Uh, Torrance Kinsey, you're yeah. talking about, he hits the game winner, the game winning shot. Yeah. Um, I guess just talk about that run really quickly to get to that point, to get the title game, and then that play specifically. What do you remember about that? Because I remember getting Brandon Wallace's uh, recollection of it. I'm curious to hear what was your recollection of that play happens. Well, Torrance gets the ball. Like, what's going through your mind? About that particular tournament run when we, you know, we won at NIT Championship. Um, we just thought we were we were we were a good basketball team. We thought we could play against anyone in the country, and um, not getting that the bid that we needed and wanted, um, we still felt like we could be one of the last teams to win, and we were confident about that. And that that gave us some you know some comfort going into those games, um, and then we win the first game against Miami, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and uh, we played so well at home. And that just gave us confidence, like, look, we want to get to New York. We want to play at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, we want to do some great things there. And, you know, it meant so much for us to go up to, to play every game, take it day by day, but take it game by game and go and win. Um, for me personally, it, it meant so much in different ways. I knew if, you know, I could get to Madison Square Garden, you know, I could have tons of my family members and friends that come 
and support me, and, and, and that was amazing. Then, you know, we get to the championship game and we play St. Joe's, and that was just a back-and-forth battle the entire game, two great defensive teams. And, you know, we just we made it to the last play. You know, they hit a shot. Um, I remember that play where I'm coming back to actually get the ball. Um, and we had, we had players who wanted those kinds of shots. So, mm-hmm. myself, I'm coming back to get it. And I know for certain in my mind, I'm going to take the last shot. Not to, <laughs> it wasn't a selfish thing, but we had guys who were confident in themselves to take that shot. And, of course, um, Charles Kinsey and, and myself was probably, the, you know, the, the, the players who can create their own shot mm-hmm. the best on the floor at the time. And I think they overplayed me. Charles got the ball. And when I saw he, the way he was coming up the court, I said, look, He's going to take this shot. Let me get out the way. Um, I think I kind of came up behind him, but I was I was spaced enough to where though he had enough enough room to get a shot off if he wanted to drive to the basket or you know shoot a jump shot. He was a mid range. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was death for mid range. So I figured he wanted to get to that pull up, but he he got to the pull up a little deeper and he made the three. And it was it was the best feeling I've had as a college basketball player up until that point. So you're saying there was there was no chance he was passing that basketball once he got no it. Like, way I, I am taking the shot no matter what. <laughs> no way he was giving that ball up. Not at all. <laughs> For sure. So you guys go back again, though. It's interesting. And, again, we talk. You know, I, I know the, the goal is to get to the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, you guys do it again. I, I mean, you guys get yeah. back and do it again. You obviously – your junior year had a fantastic year yourself on the court. But, I mean, yeah. you guys get back. You had a great game in that championship game, if I do recall. I think you had 20 points in that one. Um, and you yeah. get a lot, lot less uh, flair for dramatics in that one when you guys beat Michigan. But, uh, you know, just talk about getting back, doing it again. Again, you fall short of your goal, which is the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, to win it back-to-back and, like you're saying, to go back to Madison Square Garden, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be a pretty cool thing, I feel like. Yeah, the goal that you just spoke of, of the NCAA, that's what made us so eager to win that one, you know, to come back and, 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 and repeat the championship again mm-hmm. because we beat, I want to say five or six teams that actually made it. Uh, we we beat the eventual the eventual uh, uh, national championship team in Florida. Uh, we played well against everyone that season, and we thought that you know we got robbed. So to go back, you know, to a place that we just won it, um, it made us eager. It gave us the confidence that we had just done it the year before, and you know, we just played really well that entire time. Mm. Um, we had a couple of close games, I think, against Florida State. I think that was pretty close. I can't remember the exact score. Um, we played Cincinnati. Um, that wasn't so bad. But when we got up to New York, um, as you can remember, Ronaldo Balkman, you know, he played himself into the NBA that, in two mm. games, if you ask me. Yep. And it, it was nothing anyone could do, Louisville or Michigan, to beat us in those two games. Um, we were much faster. We were much quicker. We were smarter. Um, you know, Rick Pitino, who was at Louisville at the time, you know, he liked to run that that press, and we, uh, we ran through that press. It was unbelievable what Ronaldo Bachman did, what Brandon Wallace did, um, what uh, Torrance Kinsey did as our, our senior at the time. And we just – we meshed well. That was our time. We knew that we could win five straight games. And we we thought that we could beat Michigan, and we did. We thought um, we can get up the floor faster than them. We had great rebounders. We had a lot of length, but the length that we had, it wasn't slow length. We got up the court really well. If you could, you know, you think about Brandon Wallace, who's 
you know, 6'10", 6'11". Mm-hmm. Like I said, he can do everything on the court. Um, and then Ronaldo Balkman, like I said, he played himself into the NBA. And Thomas Kenzie, who's athletic, got three athletic guys above 6'6". And, you know, like you said before, the way that I facilitated the ball was as good as anyone in the country. And you got three guys who are running up and down the floor like deers. And, you know, you just make plays from that. And I, you know, I had a great scoring role on that team also. Mm. And in the, the second NIT where we won the championship, um, I needed to score a little bit more for us to be in games, for us to win games. And down the stretch, I made a lot of plays. So um, it was fun to do it again. For sure. So that senior season, you know, I want to talk really quickly because, you know, the stats obviously got better. You know, we already talked about why you obviously kind of took more of a involved role as far as scoring the basketball. But I mean, you were coaches first team all SEC, AP first team all SEC, Gamecock basketball's MVP, most assists award again. Um, Just kind of talk about that senior year. I mean, obviously it all clicked for you, but to, to have those accolades next to your name, you know, as a guy that I'm sure came in, you know, you come in with humble expectations, but to have those type of accolades next to your name, man, like what, what, what did that mean then? And then what does it mean now looking back and saying, you know, I did that? Uh, all those accolades that I received as a senior, I mean, it, it meant so much because I was working so hard. Um, I came into South Carolina, you know, with my hard hat on and, and, and wanting to be successful um, just trying to absorb all of the knowledge that I was getting from different people, from the coaching staff, even from the, the older guys on the team at the time when I first came in. And at that time, I hadn't seen anyone really get a lot of those awards, you know, all the first team, AP, and, you know, I was the Pomeroy Naismith Award for the top uh, player in the country for, that was six foot and under. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I never even, I don't think I heard of that award. Um as I looked at those different things, you know, it, it meant a lot. I was even athlete of the year at, at the University of South Carolina. And you got so many great athletes. The football team had multiple NFL guys. You know, you had Ronaldo Balkman, who's the first round draft pick that next year. Um, I mean, it was it was special for me to to actually, you know, receive all of that support, receive all of that attention um, that I was getting for the hard work that I had put in. Um, looking back on it. It, it means even more because, you know, those are footprints when you mm-hmm. think about it. Um, for all, everything that I've been able to do as a person or as a basketball player, you know, I've, it's it's something that's like you try to be legendary in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. You don't think about it when you're doing it, but you, you leave a place, you go a place for four years and you leave, you want to leave a mark. And I think all the things that you just named and, of the stats and, you know, the accolades, um, you know, the younger players who come in after me, you know, they'll see those things and they'll wonder, you know, who is this guy and, and how did he do this? And um, it makes it easier to come back and talk to guys, you know, that come up after you. Um, it makes it easier for you to, to reminisce with your, you know, your teammates, reminisce with the coaching staff. I talked to all of those guys. You know, it just was amazing for me. No doubt. So, Trey, I want to move into your professional career because you went undrafted in the 07 NBA draft, and since then you have played for, I feel like, I mean, literally the list of teams is there like 20 teams on here. That's why I didn't name them off at the beginning of the show. But, uh, right. you know, you, you've taken the the route of going overseas, playing obviously. I mean, there's other Gamecocks that have done that, a lot of other Gamecocks. I mean, your buddy Brandon Wallace did it. I think I think Carlos Powell may have done it. I know Ronaldo Balkman has, like, set records over there. I mean, you know, yeah. a lot of guys do that. But I always say that, 
you know, to do that. I mean, because there's, you know, different, uh, like, you know, baseball, so people play in Japan. And so, like, to go overseas and play or do a sport, like, you've got to really love it. Because, I mean, there are some Absolutely. things about it that is a sacrifice. I mean, talk about for you. And, again, you're still playing, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you've had a long career. But yeah, just talk about what it's – yeah, talk about what it's been like, you know, that that experience overseas and, you know, what kind of gets you going every single day? Like, what makes you want to w- wake up and want to do it day in, day out? Man, I, I have nothing different than what I had when I was just having fun playing at the age of 15. Um, I loved the game then. I probably love it even more now. Um, you know, you kind of compete with all of the hurdles and the obstacles in life, but but definitely in the game of basketball. You know, I'm, I'll be 35 in January. And, you know, when you get older, you know, you have to compete against, you know, father time. You have to compete against, you know, your body trying to wear down on you. you got to compete against, you know, the younger kids coming in and, you know, trying to, uh, you know, take whatever you have or compete against whatever you're, you have in your history. And, um, you know, for me, I've been a, a great competitor all my life. Um, and, and the game of basketball changed my life. And I feel like I've just been giving it all that I've owed it, you know, for 20 years now, more than 20 years. You know, I started playing when I was 10 years old. And like I said, that love for the game has, has never changed. Uh, my desire has has gotten even stronger to, to win, to get better. Um, I'm always in the gym. I'm always, you know, working on my game. So, um to be able to play 13 years as a professional, I couldn't ask for anything better. And to do it all around the world and experience experience these different places, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's it's an amazing ride that I've been on. And I I love to tell the stories about you know the different places in Europe I've been to and um, Asia, South America, all the places that I played. And um, you know, it's, it's it's a remarkable experience that you know, you, you have to cherish. And I have, I've cherished it along the way, every step of the way. For sure. So I was taking a look, Trey, you, you actually did, you know, you've dabbled in the NBA D league and the NBA ranks. I know, I think in 2011, 2010, 2011, you did. And then uh, 2015, you actually signed with the Miami heat and you were an NBA D league all-star in 2016. Um, You you know, talk about your experiences in the D league, in the NBA. I mean, I, I know obviously, you know, that's, that's the goal. That's the dream, but, just kind of talk about your experiences in the NBA. I mean, my, my experiences there helped me. You know, when I was in Miami, you, you know, you're looking at a guy like Dwayne Wade every day, um, watching his work <laughs> ethic, watching his, you know, his, his knowledge for the game and his savvy. Um, when I was with Memphis Grizzlies, you, you're looking at a guy like Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, uh, Mark Gasol, and those guys, you know, were c- kind of coming up in the ranks in the Western Conference at the time. And um, you learn from that, you know, no matter what, that's just a, a, that's a classroom every single day. But you're also trying to, you know, set your own marks. You're also trying to, you know, make your own case for what kind of player you are. And that's what I was trying to do um, in regards to the D-League. Um, you know, it was just, it's just like any other place. I treat every place that I've been, every team that I've played on the same. I, I'm going to work hard no matter what, every single day. And, you know, that's, that's just how I cherish the game. Um, I've never taken my foot off the pedal, and I won't until I, I'm, you know, I start to tell people that I won't play another professional game. That's how I will work. I've been working the, the same or more, like I said, since I was a kid. I still love it. 
Um, I still cherish it. Um, you know, it's something that I dedicate myself to in a major way, and it has paid off. You know, in, a, in an amazing way, and I really appreciate the game. I really appreciate all the people that have supported me along the way. Trey, we, we already kind of mentioned it, but you've been everywhere as far as I was just taking a look at some of these cities. I mean, you're talking Croatia, Turkey, Israel, Venezuela. I mean, what's been your uh, what's been your favorite stop? Do you have one that stands out as like that was your favorite uh, favorite stop yes, on your journey? My favorite stop, I always tell people, is Istanbul, Turkey. Mm. Um, lovely city. Um, the basketball is great there. It's one of the best countries, if not the best country, in regards to basketball. Um, a lot of great players, a lot of great teams, a lot of history there. Um, the, the city itself is amazing. The food is great. People are really nice. Um, I really enjoyed my, my my time there. I played four years in Turkey, and you know I really enjoyed every second. Um, very comfortable, very clean place. Like I said, the food is great, and um, you know you're around great people. No doubt. So you kind of talked on this a little bit earlier, but I want to bring it back up as far as, you know, leaving your legacy and wanting to be legendary. And I think you make a great point, And I agree with you that, you know, what just, for example, what you did, it lays a foundation and it builds to, you know, what we saw South Carolina basketball achieve. You know, I think after you, you know, just a couple of years after you left, you know, a guy by the name of Devin Downey came in that I'm sure your buddies with and, Absolutely. you know, beat Absolutely. the number one team in the country in 2010, which was obviously a huge deal beating Kentucky. And then obviously I know you were, watching when the Gamecocks went on their final four run in 2017. I was in in Turkey at the time going crazy (laughs) looking at the TV. Just talk about how much pride you take in being an alum, a former Gamecocks basketball player, and, you know, knowing that, you know, the Trey Kellys of the world laid the foundation to make that that type of success possible. I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of proud moments I've had just watching the development of, you know, Gamecock basketball, um, the players, the teams, you know, some of the, the success they've had, you know, seeing the different coaches, um, going down to meet Frank Martin when he first got the job there. Uh, my good friend is now the assistant coach, Bruce Shingler. Um, you know, just seeing all of that um, and seeing, you know, these kids who are in high school being recruited are wanting to go to this school. When we got there, you know, it was you know, it's a little football school. I mean, South Carolina football will always be amazing, but it was like 100% football when we got right, there. Right, right. And we, we kind of wanted to, to change that. We wanted to kind of make our marks as, as basketball players and definitely as a team. And we wanted our time there, whether it be three or four years, to be so epic that, um, you know, kids would, would want to come to that school would want to um, build on what we laid as a foundation. Um, and, and I think we did a great job at that. And to see the team go on to the final four and beat some number one teams, some top 10 teams and, um, you know, make some tournament runs. I mean, it's, it's, it's been great to see. For sure. So I think it's great timing, Trey, have you on right now because the uh, Gamecocks basketball this season actually gets going Wednesday. They've got an exhibition and then obviously we'll, will roll right into the regular season. But let's let's kind of talk about the current state of Gamecocks basketball. Obviously, Frank Martin, I believe going in his seventh year. I could be wrong on that. But obviously been there a while, um, built yeah. the program up. And I know a lot of people are excited about this year's team. Um, I've talked with some that say they think this is the best guard play South Carolina's had in 
quite a while. I'm sure you, you would definitely argue with that. But either way, they, they've got a really, really good team this year. Everybody's really excited. But just kind of talk about your perspective. You know, as a former Gamecocks basketball player, you take a look at this program. You know, what are your feelings on what Frank Martin is built, is building, and then going into this season? I think Frank Martin has, has been amazing. Um, you know, a lot of people confuse Frank Martin with, you know, with a guy who is, uh, you know, hard-nosed and is, is not a, a, a coach who, you know, the, a parents will want their kids to play for, but he's been a remarkable person. You know, he's he's been in the media for that a lot in the last few years. Um, you know, he's got suspended and all that kind of stuff, but that stuff is, you know, is nonsense. It doesn't reflect who he is as a person and who he is as a coach. And I think he's brought a culture to the University of South Carolina that's a winning culture and that um, I think, you know, they'll continue to build on the success that they've had in the past, especially with that, that Final Four run. It's very, really hard to get to the Final Four, um, especially for a, a, a school like South Carolina. It's difficult um, to play in a, a, a conference where you have Kentucky and you have Florida and you have you know, the LSUs and all these great teams and, and universities who have had great history. And for him to come in and believe in his his troops and uh, to believe in what he's teaching as as a as a, a leader, um, I mean, it's, it's remarkable to, to look at. And I've I've enjoyed you know watching him coach. I've enjoyed watching the the mentality that he's given his teams. And I I expect a lot from the team this season. That guard play that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I haven't seen much of those guys yet, but you know to, to see um, you know those guys come in. I, I wish them well, and I think you know we'll be talking about NCAA at the end of the season. Yeah, no, I think NCAA tournament is certainly the goal this year for South Carolina basketball. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit, Trey, and just talk about the game of basketball as a whole because I'm, I'm just curious to get your take. Um, yeah. You know, the game has obviously evolved so much. I mean, you think it used to be a down-low post game with a big man, and now it's – I mean, it's the Golden State Warrior style of basketball. Like everybody's just shooting right. a three. It's going deeper and deeper and deeper. Talk about – the, talk about what you've seen as far as the evolution of the game, and has it forced you, or you know, I know other players obviously, but has it forced you to kind of make sure your game evolves with it as well? Well, you know, my game is, you know, I've I've always adjusted to, you know, whatever happens. Um, you know, who you are as a player is who you are. You know, you work on different things and you strengthen different things as a player. But um, if you're a driver, you like to get in the lane. That's you know, that's what you'll be doing throughout your career. If you're a three-point shooter, that's what you'll be doing. If you're a defender, you know, that's that, that's what you'll hang your head on. Um, so in regards to the game evolving to being a lot of three-pointers chucked up um, and things of that nature, um, you know, I, I pretty much stayed the same. I've gotten better in different aspects of my game, of course, but um, in regards to my mentality, going into a game and, and knowing how I want to impact the game, it's pretty much stayed the same. I've always gotten into the lane, you know, use floaters and different layup packages. Um, I've developed more of a three-point shot pretty much every year of my life that I've been playing. Um, and that I get stronger every year. Um, but, you know, I pretty much stayed the same. But in regards to basketball as a whole, um, I have different viewpoints on it because these kids, you know, they see – the NBA today, and you see guys like James Harden, um, you see guys like Steph Curry, they're just they're shooting shots from four or five feet behind NBA three. 
and it kind of gives the kids a false sense of how they should get better. Um, and it, I don't know, it, it can help, it could hurt, you never know. But they don't understand that these guys are pros and that they work on this stuff and they're strong enough to you know, hit step back threes, they're strong enough you know, to be shooting out there 11, 12 times a game. Um, and the game of basketball in the NBA, you know, involves a lot of spacing. There's a lot of room on that court where guys could get their shots off and play isolation basketball a lot. And it, it hurts the mindset of a kid where they see that because they idolize these guys. And, you know, like I said, sometimes you never know where it could take. Sometimes it, it works, you know, for kids who, who are born with jump shots. You know, Steph Curry, you know, he was born with that. You know, of course he worked on it and he, he mastered it, but, you know, he was born with that. That's in his blood. Um, and a lot of kids, they really don't understand that. Um, but the, the game of basketball is great in, in regards to the NBA and how it's played because everyone doesn't do that. You don't see Kawhi Leonard doing that. You don't see um, LeBron James who's been, you know, one of the best players in the world. He hasn't been you know, just sitting outside chucking a lot of threes. Um, Kevin Durant, who's, you know, top two or three basketball players in the world over the last 10 years. Um, he's a three-point shooter, but, you know, he's not shooting 12, 13 a game. Um, so you still have guys who just, you know, they have their, their their calling cards in regards to how they play. And the game of basketball, they just suggest, you know, they just suggest. I see Kevin Durant adjust. I've seen James Harden adjust. And I think he adjusted to his role in Houston. He wasn't like that in OKC. He didn't, you know, shoot 15 threes a game and, he just adjusted his game to what Dan Tony has wanted. For sure. Yeah, James Harden game is absurd. He, he, he's a, yeah, he's a, sure. He is a crazy good basketball player. Um, all right, kind of funny question off the wall. LeBron or uh, MJ, who, who are you taking? Oh, man, it's not even close. You know, Michael Jordan is the best basketball player <laughs> to ever play. Yeah. So it's not even a question to me. Yeah, I, I'm also on the Michael Jordan goat status. I, I, you man. know, I – I mean, LeBron's gotta, obviously a legendary talent, but guy, it's it's yeah. hard to go against two three, the OG two three. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you think about Michael Jordan, a lot of kids who are trying to make the case for LeBron James, they really didn't see Michael live, right? Um, see him in these crunch time situations, that make the right play, make the mm. shot every single time, um, beating Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, and what's that eighty eight. Um, when everyone knows he's going to get the ball, right. beating uh, Utah, you know, that last shot where everyone has that image in their minds, knowing that he's going to get the ball, making the defensive play against Malone. Uh, what's that, the play before? He just walked it up, has the ball for 20 seconds, and, you know, he makes that shot. I mean, he knew what everyone in the world was expecting from him, and he stood up to the challenge every game. He never shied away from the big moments. And I think, um, you know, LeBron has been amazing. But you find times throughout his career when he has, he has shot away from those moments that Michael never, ever shot away from. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't going to give anyone the ball to take those last shots. He was he wanted to guard the best players on the other team, even though he had Scotty, who was, you know, an amazing defender. But, I mean, Michael was everything. The way that he looked as a basketball player, you know, was amazing. 6'6". Mm-hmm. You know, he has the ball head, his, his uniform fits perfectly. <laughs> he had the best shoes that anyone could ever wear, you know, playing. 
Um, these are shoes that people want to wear just to, to style in, and he's you know, he's wearing them on the basketball court, and he's getting 35, 40 points a game, and he just look, looks amazing doing it. So I don't think you could ever pick anyone. I think we'll, we'll still be talking about Michael Jordan 40 years from now being the best player. No doubt. Do you, would you say LeBron is the best player in the NBA right now, or do you think a lot of people have argued like Kawhi? Maybe I mean it's I, which is an interesting um, argument. I, you know, I think that that debate for the best player right now. When you look at if you take a look at first take, um, you know ESPN. I think mm-hmm. they come on at ten in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Monday they can be talking about Kawhi Leonard being the best player. Then James Harden gets forty-five or sixty points on Thursday. <laughs> And now James Harden is the best player in the NBA. <laughs> and then LeBron has his you know, triple-double. Or, uh, Steph Curry does something amazing. Or Kevin Durant, when he was healthy, does something amazing. That conversation ch- changes so much. And mm. it's almost every other day it changes. And um, you know, if you ask my opinion, I mean, I, I think at the very moment, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA. Mm. I mean, he... You can't score on the guy, and you can't stop him on defense. And I don't think you can say that about too many players in the NBA. Um, you got a guy like Kyrie Irving, who's, you know, his skill set is up there with anyone in the league, if not the best, um, the way he handles the ball, the way he shoots it from the outside. Um, but you can't talk about him having, a, you know, great defense on the other end. He's not, he's not a bad defender, but. You know, you can you can score on a guy like that. Same with Steph Curry. Um, you know, sometimes they abuse him on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, LeBron James, he's getting older in his 17th year, and he's not the same defender. But when you talk about Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he scores he scores so easily. You know, he gets to where he wants. He's facilitating more. He's facilitating better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's averaging 25, 30 points right now. And he's only playing, what, 25, 26 minutes a game. He doesn't right. need to be out there as long as Harden, Westbrook, and those guys who are averaging 32, 33 points sometimes. And then on the other end, he's stopping. You know, you probably are going to have a hard time getting 20 points on him. He's so strong. Um, his hands are huge. He can rebound the ball. He can rebound it and push it. So I think right now he's the best player in the NBA. No doubt. So I'm going to get you out of here, Trey. Last question, though, before we, uh, before we wrap up here. When you look back on your South Carolina career specifically, if you had to pick one, obviously I know there are a lot of good ones, but your favorite memory as a Gamecock? My favorite memory um, would certainly be winning the championship in, in Madison Square Garden and uh, bringing my grandmother down to give her my um, all-tournament team trophy, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, she stuff. raised me, and um, you know a lot of a lot of the you know alumni and the uh, of course my teammates and coaching staff back then, they were well aware of you know, what my grandmother meant to me at that time. She just passed away in January, actually. Oh, and um, yeah, she raised me and everything, and that's a memory that always stands out. You know, I I got security to go up to get her, and they brought her down uh, to receive that trophy with me. And to take a picture of you know us holding the championship trophy and the all tournament team trophy, and that was by far the most amazing experience I've ever had. That's awesome. Well, Trey, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Obviously, it was a pleasure to talk ball with you, and I know I can speak for all Gamecock fans when I say that it was a 
it was a blast to watch you and Garnet and Black, what you guys, what you and your teammates did, obviously winning those NITs, going to the tournament. And uh, obviously great to see that you're still in the game, still playing the game that you love. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'll definitely be following along with your career. But really appreciate you taking the time, man. We'd love to have you back on and uh, talk some ball again here in the near future. Anytime, man. I, I thank you guys for having me. And I, I appreciate the, the time we had today talking about those, those moments and times that we had as a team and as a university. Absolutely. So for Trey Kelly, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.